0: Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim, here today with Lance. How's it going, Lance? It's going pretty well. Going pretty well. How are you today? I am doing great, and I want to introduce Jennifer Amell, who is here with us as well. What's up, Jen? Hello, everybody. How are you guys?
1: Doing okay. I mean, it's uh, a... Heavy episode. I'm gonna say it's, a, it's 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 a heavy episode. It's almost hard to talk about, and we'll get into this a little bit more. Great work putting all this together, Jen. Um, can you talk a little bit about how it all uh, you know even came to be?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, this this episode is a bit of a long road for us. Um, I think earlier this year we were introduced to Natalie Kowal. She's a federal law attorney with the Whistleblower Law Firm out of Florida. And Natalie practices federal law, and she takes cases that have the potential to change laws specifically within the government sector. Um, so this, this case became super high profile and is used as kind of precedent to change law federally. So it's interesting in that respect, and then very tragic personally.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into the I am Vanessa Guillen bill a little bit later in the episode. Vanessa was murdered on April 22nd, 2020 at Fort Hood in Texas. Her case immediately became high profile, garnering a lot of media attention and public support for systemic change in how the military addressed reports of sexual assault and harassment. And there's also a GoFundMe that Myra Guillen has organized. You can search Soldier Vanessa Guillen Missing, and they are still accepting donations.
2: Yeah, um, there's been a little bit of confusion with the campaigns that are out there currently. Um, there's a couple of them that are de- that have different names attached to the camp- campaigns, and you want to look for the one that's under the name Myra Gian. That's the correct one to donate to.
1: And that's uh Myra M A Y R A, and the correct one to donate to is that one, like you said, and it's raised over three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So big thank you to the over 11,000 donors who contributed to this cause. Uh, this goes towards what you were saying, Jen, about it being a very high profile case. What is it about this that thrust it into the spotlight so so strongly?
2: I think it was due in part to the brutal nature in which Vanessa Guillen was murdered and she was an enlisted soldier. She was with the U.S. Army and the Regimental Engineer Squadron of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment. She was brutally attacked by a fellow enlisted soldier, and it was due in part to some uh, sexual harassment that she had faced while in the military. And it kind of raised the question of where do soldiers go if they are subject to harassment? Where do they go to report this type of thing. If a colleague that outranks them, if there's people in power that are supposed to like, you know, uphold the law and, uh, you know, restore honor to the military, if those people are perpetrating these crimes, like who is keeping these people in check? And I think that's the the central question at the heart of this case and what kind of captured the hearts of the nation.
0: Absolutely. I think Vanessa felt trapped in some way. And uh, Fort Hood has a dark history. Uh, and really, we've been living through it. It's it's still ongoing. And uh, that's a problem. And I think Vanessa's was the most high profile of the disappearances or murders out of Fort Hood.
2: Yeah, and it kind of came with a good kind of tailwind of the Me Too movement as well. So I think that's kind of what brought it to the attention of uh, people with power in the government and uh, different political figures too. This is a problem
0: that needs to be rectified. Okay. So big shout out to Natalie Kwam and the whistleblower law firm. She's doing great work with the Guillen family and other families.
2: Yeah. And it was through Natalie that we met uh, Vanessa's sister, Myra.
0: And you were able to
1: speak with Myra on the phone and, and have a, I don't know, significant conversation with her.
2: Yeah, she's a super strong advocate for her sister. She's kind of been the face of this uh, I am Vanessa Gian bill. And she's done a lot of public appearances, too. And she she just wants justice for her sister and some like actionable change within the military structure, which I'm sure we'll get into.
1: And I got to say, um, well done carrying on that conversation with Myra because it was emotional and there was a lot of uh, anger that you could hear in her voice. And the details were almost too hard to listen to, but you have to hear it. You have to hear what was done to her sister and what was done to cover it up. Uh, not not only like in the immediate aftermath of the murder, trying to dismember and and dispose of the body, but what happened just within the structure of the military and what happened within the structure of law enforcement it's really tough to listen to but i don't think that you can get the importance of this story unless you feel that unless you feel like i can barely listen to this because it's it should not be a comfortable thing to hear
2: exactly it's often strong emotion strong empathy that moves people to make change
3: Hi, my name is Myra Guillen, and I'm Vanessa's older sister. As a kid, she was always a very active person. She would never just sit in one place and stay still. Uh, We were really into sports. Um, Most of our time, we would spend it playing outside, whether it was um, soccer, playing tag, and then our main thing was jumping rope. That was something that that we loved doing, and um, she was just a, a very active, outgoing person. We grew up here um, in the, the southeast area of Houston, Texas. She was, um, you could say goofy. She would always uh, laugh even at the most serious moments and it was contagious. It, it That was just her. She she found a joy in everything. And what made Vanessa want to
2: join the military?
3: Ever since um, as far as I can remember, she's always been this um, active person she never thought that she suited a job like um office wise she wanted more than that she wanted something where she could daily be active and engaged as far as I can remember even if we would watch action movies um she would always tell me oh, I want to be like that and it would, most of the time it would be soldiers or or action movies in general that she would um see herself in and eventually she did pursue joining the military as soon as she could and she even preferred that over something that she did love the most which was playing soccer so she had both routes either the military or pursuing um, a scholarship being a a, an actual professional soccer player yet she chose to go to the military was she gonna go to college to play soccer yeah she was in between both um decisions it was to pursue college and um keep playing soccer and eventually become a professional because there wasn't a day she wouldn't play soccer or, you know, also wanting the honor and the respect of being a soldier.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And what branch of the military did she join? The army. She joined the
3: army. And did she want to do a particular job in the army? From what her task, whatever task she showed, uh, she chose, it was the, the arms repair. So her main interest, um, At that point was, I guess, anything that had to do with arms. And that's like guns and stuff, right? Yes. So
2: she knew her way around all the weapons that soldiers would carry?
3: Well, she would maintain up to date. She would clean. She would disassemble and arm back the small arms. She wasn't that into the the bigger arms yet. Uh, But she would um, just keep them up to date, clean them, fix them if necessary, stuff like that. How did she
2: get stationed
3: at Fort Hood? Was that right out of boot camp or did she go through multiple
4: transfers?
3: Well, she did start her boot camp in um, South Carolina. Then she went to Virginia for her actual um, training in the arms repair. And then from there, she was stationed at Fort Hood. And, you know, they don't get to pick where to go. It's more that they sent you there and that's where you have to be stationed.
0: Myra said that it was sometimes hard to keep in close contact with her sister as she was going through boot camp. They had always been close, but it was a bit more difficult for Vanessa to keep her family updated on everything that was happening in her life because of the demands of Army life.
3: At the very beginning, it was just letters, which I still have them up to date. And once in a while, she would escape and try to hide and call, and it was like a one-minute call, and... um, of course, it was a very emotional call, uh. but we did um try to um keep in touch as much as we could, even if she got in trouble. She just wanted to, you know, quickly tell us, like, hey, I miss you guys, and I hope to see you soon. You know, it was nothing but tears, but at the same time, I was really happy for her because she was pursuing what she wanted to do. Yeah, it seemed like she was really living her dream. So how long was she stationed at Fort Hood? So about a year, and... uh. Four months a year and four months did she make good friends? She was always a very um solitary person if it wasn't us was as her sisters she did have a couple friends but um I know in the base she would tell me that everybody would sort of just concentrate on their own thing, but eventually she did tell me that she had um like three or four four friends in the base that she wanted me to meet at some point, but um, I I was too busy that I couldn't join her, but she did have like three or four.
0: We asked Myra if Vanessa was the type of person who would confide in her family if she was in trouble or needed advice on a particular situation.
3: She most of the time would keep it to herself, but if she did have questions, like um, advice for her future, she would ask me, but more on her personal personal stuff she wouldn't really like her leaving to the army did separate us a bit because i was too busy at work and she was too busy at work we weren't as close as before
2: so during the year and about three months that vanessa was stationed at fort hood she didn't really tell her sister myra that she was experiencing some kind of harassment from her fellow male soldiers
3: she never told me directly she would kind of tell me though that she didn't feel um comfortable at that base she would tell me hopefully one day I can open up and tell you what's going on but I didn't want to pressure her and then most of the time I thought that it was work related so I was like you know maybe she's stressing because there's there's so much work she has to do but you know I have so much work to do and I was like well eventually she'll tell me you know what what's going on but I really do wish that I would have pushed her to, to open up to me. She did speak to my mom about it back around uh, February, I believe. And she did open up to us once, you know, the, the disappearance happened because she thought it was something important and that it probably had to do with my sister disappearing. She did state that there was a higher up. She did use the term sergeant, uh, but with these military terms, you know, uh, a lot of people can't relate because all of them are similar. NCO, sergeant, first class, or all these terms that she just used the word sergeant. And she did tell my mom that there was a higher up that would bother her, that would sexually harass her, that would follow her, et cetera. And that's that's when my mom told her, "Well, you need to to do something." And you know, she she had nowhere to go. They there was an emotional talk that they had. And she said she would fix it on her own. So she did she try to like report it to the person who would be above that sergeant? You know, I wouldn't be sure. I don't know how high that higher up or that individual would be. That it, it's how I, I've stated before. If the person that you're supposed to run to for help is the one creating the problem, then what is there left for you to do?
2: Do you think she was scared or frustrated?
3: I believe so. Um, Because she did tell my mom, she didn't want to put her in danger. She already knows how how we were. Um, We would have instantly tried to do something about it. So it's hard to to even think about the fear that she felt.
1: There was one colleague who worked with Vanessa in the Armory. His name was Specialist Aaron David Robinson. He was a 20-year-old from Illinois. And it seemed like Vanessa alluded to harassment, not from Robinson, but from at least two other soldiers who also outranked Vanessa.
2: Yeah, so she didn't name Robinson specifically. So we don't know if Robinson actually, you know, sexually assaulted or harassed her um, before this. But she had mentioned two other people, um, I think Myra had mentioned potentially a sergeant first class. We don't have names of anybody, but I think this has been addressed internally. But what you got to understand is that there's like a pretty firmly entrenched hierarchy in the military that is like by nature meant to allocate power along a ranking system. We all know this. I mean, we have paramilitary organizations like, you know, law enforcement and stuff that have like you're you're imbued with certain amount of responsibilities and powers like the higher rank you are. Vanessa at the time before she disappeared was only an enlisted soldier. Um, So she only received her rank of specialist uh, posthumously. In other words, she was the lowest soldier on the totem pole in terms of like the military hierarchy. Specialist Robinson outranked her at the time. So by this hierarchy structure, he held more power than her. And Myra uh, additionally said that Vanessa may have been harassed by those other non-commissioned or commissioned officers, and they were of an even higher rank. So if those with power are the ones perpetrating the harassment, who could Vanessa have reported this to without fearing retaliation from, you know, her fellow enlisted soldiers or those indeed who had uh, higher ranks. We'll be
0: right back after a quick word from our sponsor.
1: And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program.
0: On April 22nd, 2020, Vanessa brought some arms to the armory in order to cross-reference serial numbers with Aaron Robinson. They were alone in the armory. Nobody knows what transpired between Vanessa and Robinson, but it led to a violent altercation.
3: Well, apparently from from what's stated, and it, it, it's even harder because, you know, at this point... um. I did receive the autopsy paperwork where it confirmed that um, it was mainly her cranial area. Uh, apparently, Robinson did bludgeon her with a hammer, and she did pass. And even after that, he still had the nerve to go pick up his... Um, how can I call her? Apparently, his girlfriend and still going cause more damage and try to get rid of her by burning her and trying to, to just disappear her like nothing.
1: And Jen, this was clearly difficult for Myra to describe. And being that this was the first time you interviewed her, as you're hearing her say this, what was going through your head? How, how were you planning on following up her account?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was even hesitant to ask her to tell us the facts of Vanessa's murder because it is so brutal. I didn't really want to make her say it, but, you know, I kind of uh, asked her if she was comfortable with it, like to please tell us what happened. And I was struck by the way she delivered the information. It was less from an emotional standpoint and more like, here are the facts. Like here's, she said, like, um, judging from the things we read, like in the autopsy report, which is kind of very clinical language to talk about uh, something like this. And I think that's because she had to, in some way, emotionally separate her, herself from these brutal, brutal events.
0: And according to statements from Robinson, after he killed Vanessa, he went to the gas station where his girlfriend, Cicely Aguilar, was working and asked her to help him get rid of Vanessa's remains.
1: So he he leaves the body in the armory, and she was left in in a large case, and then took her to another location where they planned to dismember the body, and then they dumped her body near the Leon River and tried to set her remains on fire they tried to like wipe her out of existence
2: they really did um i think myra said something to the effect they like tried to disappear her like she was nothing i think that's a direct quote yeah i'm just struck again by the brutality and the violence of this act i mean not only in the murder itself but what they did to Vanessa's remains after the fact it wasn't just dismembering the body it was also setting it on fire like that's crazy
1: and was this his girlfriend or ex-wife, or were they, were they currently in a relationship?
2: I think they were loosely dating.
1: Loosely dating. Loosely dating. Like, I've, I've loosely dated people. I wouldn't—I mean, that is, that is a tall order. How, how, do, how does somebody agree to that?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure why Robinson didn't approach, like, a fellow soldier to help him with this task. Um, I imagine he was far from home as he was stationed at fort hood so maybe that was really the only person that he had established a relationship with and knew he could trust in some way i don't know it's it's weird to put it like that but if i'm placing myself in his shoes and he needs help like he would have to be thinking about like not wanting to incriminate um other soldiers at fort hood and maybe he I mean, judging from his actions and how he disposed of Vanessa, it seems like he didn't hold women in high regard, so maybe didn't even think twice about involving this other woman in his plans.
0: Vanessa was reported missing soon after her disappearance, and Robinson was swiftly suspected and taken into what can only be described as loose custody.
3: Custody, I don't even know if that's the correct term, to be honest with you. Uh, They had him under watch for apparently for a while and there was an unarmed soldier and apparently he found a way to flee and i don't understand how the soldiers still running after him couldn't advise somebody else to follow him once he got in the vehicle you know it, it doesn't make sense to me how these things how they play how they say they play along when it all could have been prevented i kind of feel like they even wanted to let him go why do you say that you know if you have someone under watch you're gonna try your best to not let them get out you know at this point why would, why did he still have his phone on him? It's like so many questions that mm-hmm. are unanswered. It's like you're giving him the possibility to escape so they didn't take anything away from him. Did they take his service weapon away? I believe so um from what I know he only had his phone on him even then you know our our phones can either save our lives or you can make one call and and stuff like that.
0: Robinson managed to flee his guard, get into a vehicle, and gain access to a firearm before he could be apprehended. Robinson shot and killed himself,
3: you know at that point, I thought it was just like I was living in an actual movie i didn't I didn't know how to react to that. I just I was blank for a second, and you know I was like he he took the truth with him. How are we supposed to find out? why who when if it if it was just him or or were other people involved it was like a dead end for me i cannot
2: believe this happened this is insane to me that he was put under like an unarmed guard to make sure he just like didn't wander off like that it's the friggin' honor system here, this guy is a murderer, and he he took the first chance he could possibly think of to, like, get out of there. I don't know what was going through his mind. It seemed like he obviously didn't want to go through a trial or, you know, anything like that. So, I mean, he did make the decision to kill himself rather than get captured by law enforcement or, the, you know, the military police. I tend to think of this as, like, the easy way out, that he didn't have to face Vanessa's family he didn't have to answer to any of these crimes he just like got to leave without giving any answers as to why he did this it's
1: infuriating it is infuriating uh I'm I'm impressed with the rapidness in which they captured him which I believe was done through a lot of uh, cell phone data between um himself and and Vanessa and Aguilar I, I believe but he he shot himself how many months later? A couple of months later, right? It was like the beginning of July?
2: I believe so, yeah.
1: So I don't know how fast like law enforcement typically moves in in this situation, but that seems like a, a very fast process. It feels like, to me, they identified who it was pretty quickly and had some pretty definitive witness accounts, statements, and evidence that was impossible for him and for um, Aguilar to get out of.
2: Yeah, it for sure seemed like a slam dunk case. Um, And Vanessa was seen going into the armory and like, they knew that she was there alone with Robinson. So it was like, pretty easy to connect the two of them before her, or at the time of her disappearance. So, So yeah, I think they solved it super quickly, but like, doesn't matter because they let him get away.
0: Well, at least Vanessa's name is remembered uh, so well by at least this community. You know, Robinson is, is not a remembered name, maybe because of his suicide and there was no trial, but sometimes killers sort of become more popular than their victims, and that's disgusting too. So I'm not really sure whether to be happy or not about this guy not being remembered. I don't know if that was what he wanted or what. Obviously, we don't want to give him what he wanted.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what his designs were. For this, but I think it's like due to the hard work and the the kind of PR efforts on behalf of uh, Natalie Kowalm and the Gian family because they worked so hard to keep this story in front of the media and to keep it focused on Vanessa and not exactly what happened or why she died, you know. But like, it's also a hopeful message too. They're like, yeah, we, it's it's horrible that we're missing our sister, our daughter, but we're going to use this to make lasting change in her honor. Do you think he escaped justice by taking his own life?
3: Well, justice here on earth he did um he did escape the punishment that was coming. But justice with God, I I hardly doubt it.
2: Yeah, do you think he's he's being judged in the
3: afterlife? Yes.
1: So pretty much uh, in the immediate aftermath of this tragedy, the media swarmed on Myra and her family, and Myra said that it was both a good and a bad thing. While that kind of publicity is sometimes hard to manage, they wanted Vanessa's stories told, and they wanted justice. So in a sense, everything came together in order to get this, the most publicity and the brightest spotlight.
3: We tried our best to keep it up and going, and you know, for people to pay attention that, it wasn't just uh, another civilian. It was a, an American soldier that signed her life away. And she wasn't protected. She wasn't respected. She wasn't, you know, she she just wasn't honored the way that she should have been.
2: Suffice it to say, Myra and her family wanted answers, but they couldn't just walk into Fort Hood and start questioning the military brass. Um, that's when the Gian family met Natalie Qualm, the federal law attorney.
3: I needed help. I was looking for someone to help us, and I was about to go and pay this one lawyer that um that was um ready to to help us and for some reason, I just didn't feel good about him and That same day, I get in contact with Natalie, and as soon as I speak with her, it's like she completely understands where I'm coming from and we just you know we click and i felt that i could confide in her and she told me that she wouldn't charge me anything so that's how i knew that she was passionate about actually helping us and she wasn't just in it for it being her job and making profit like the other person was well first um she did accompany us into the base trying to talk to those leadership that think that they can intimidate you just because you're a 22 year old, 22 year old. Um, I'm not 22. I was 21 at the time. And, uh, you know, they, they feel that since I don't have that much experience in life or since, you know, I just don't have experience with any of what happened that they could just play, play me dumb. And uh, with Natalie on my side, you know, she knows, What I'm able to retrieve, what documents, what not, what questions I can ask, what I can't ask. And it was also helpful because now they were the ones being intimidated, not me. And they knew that they had to give me answers as soon as possible. Did that feel empowering? Yes. You know, um, when I would first go to the meetings by myself, I was usually very quiet and I would just take whatever they gave me. But as soon as I started joining in with Natalie, it was like never-ending questions, and they were the ones that weren't able to answer.
0: What struck Natalie Kawam about Vanessa's case is that it seemed like her death seemed linked to the sexual harassment and assault that she experienced in the Army. Whether her murder was due to the fact that she refused Robinson's sexual advances, or if he was punishing Vanessa for potentially telling someone that he and others were abusing her, one thing remains evident— Vanessa should have had recourse to report this harassment without fear of retaliation. That's where Natalie sought to change the law, and to do that, she needed to make Vanessa Guillen a household name. And here is Natalie Kawam.
4: Well, they have no legal recourse, so if they get sexually harassed or sexually assaulted, they cannot file any lawsuits, they can't be made whole. They can request uh, for a SHARP, which is a person in their unit, to investigate the matter. If they find that there is sexual assault or some kind of uh, crime but punishment, they are able to go to military court and have a military trial, which is under their guidelines, the way that they handle those matters, uh, very different than civilian and federal court. You know, So they have their own uh, rules, their own laws, their own military judge, their own military uh, prosecutors and such, which are JAGs. Uh, and so... Unfortunately, you're stuck in this world of things done their way. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you're stuck in the military for however long your contract is, which does not provide much um, relief to anyone that uh, feels like they'll just quit or they'll just leave. They can't do that. So they have to go through the system, they have to play by the system, they have to comply with the system. And the system, as we all know, is broken. So my goal to make sure that our military do have a fair shake, at least uh, when they report something and they're not stuck with a bias uh, institute that they are now uh, presently, as we speak, uh, stuck with or uh, have to deal with.
3: You know, it's sad how I didn't know that the military had such a dark background. I, I completely... You know, I was shocked. I was surprised when all of this happened, and I started researching and seeing how it—it's so bad. It's a huge problem.
1: And this is when Natalie decided to draw up the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act of 2020.
3: The bill would um, help set up a third party that would be completely out of the chain of command, out of the army, and completely private. It would help get all the military members that need assistance, both men and women, with any type of sexual harassment, sexual assault, they would be able to come to this third party and express themselves freely and without fear. And, you know, hopefully at this point, it would be saving their own lives. I
2: asked Myra what justice looks like for Vanessa and her family at this point.
3: You know, at this point, I just wish to find out the truth. With the congressional investigation because i do feel that there's more people involved to this it wasn't just robinson and i hope to find out the truth and the motive why he did what he did or what why they did what they did with my sister and hopefully passing the bill and being able to give the help that my sister would have needed at some point
0: As of this recording, the I am Vanessa Guillen bill was introduced into the House of Representatives on September 9th, 2020, and has been referred to the House Committee on Armed Service. Yeah,
2: so it hasn't passed yet. It's in review right now. Um, I know Natalie said that a lot of decision making and discussion has been held up by the coronavirus. Um, So it could be quite some time before this bill is like, actually passed or you know shot down hopefully it's not though
1: and cecily aguilar robinson's girlfriend who allegedly helped him get rid of vanessa's body was indicted on 11 different counts has pleaded not guilty to all 11 counts and is currently awaiting trial
0: to help the guienne family you can go to myra Guillen's gofundme page and there's a link in the show notes
1: yeah, and again,
2: make sure you are going to the correct campaign that's under Myra, M-A-Y-R-A, Guillen, G-U-I-L-L-E-N. Make sure you're going to that campaign under her name because there are several other illegitimate ones that are floating
0: out there. And please keep talking about Vanessa Guillen and use the I am Vanessa Guillen hashtag.